0: Joel Osteen said, you may make some mistakes, but that doesn't make you a sinner. You've got the very nature of God inside you. Holy cow. Uh, That's a false teacher, ladies and gentlemen, and you shouldn't listen to him. So (laughs) let's try another quote. This one from Billy Graham. We're all sinners. Everybody you meet all over the world is a sinner. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe Joel didn't get that message. Who knows? Just avoid Joel Osteen. And anywho, this is Religionless Christianity. We're so glad that you're joining us. I'm your host, Spencer, and this is my lovely wife, Nikki. Hi. And today, uh, well, if you're new here, uh, what we try to do is look at this crazy, religionless and secular world that we live in, and try to help Christians make sense of it all, and live a life that's pleasing to God in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And um, today we're going to be discussing the news mostly. There's a lot of news to get to this week. Um, And then when we get to our Bible topic at the end, we're going to be discussing kind of point one in our road to salvation. You know, we talked last week where we may spend the next 15 weeks, depending on what happens in the world, sort of looking at. You know, how do you get saved and how do you ensure that you're saved, right? Kind of the way we have it broken down is in really 15 points. And that's what we're going to kind of be discussing as we go through this episode. Um, but before we get to all of that, is there anything you would like to say?
1: Um, just prayer request, just, um, yeah, just keep praying for my uncle and the family trying to help someone who isn't very motivated you know, getting out of prison after years and you're older and just going kind of back into maybe old ways, which, you know, we've seen, um, with others, um, few people in our lives. So that's happened to, it's a really hard thing trying to help someone who doesn't see, um, the responsibilities and the stress it brings to family. So, Please just pray for our family, uh, for wisdom, how to handle this situation because you love people, but sometimes you got to know like there's a thing called tough love and they're adults and you just got to give them up to God. (laughs) So yeah, just appreciate your prayers.
0: Please pray for Me and Nikki are a perfect match, you know, (laughs) sometimes. Every time one of these stories comes up, I think, and this is why God gives you, you know, if you're in tune, right, the perfect spouse, because Nikki's all love and compassion and I'm all just wrath of God. She's like, you know, and it's just, it's difficult and he's struggling. I'm like, ah, throw the bum out. Like he doesn't want to carry his own load. She's like, so, and that's the way we raise our kids too. I think that's the way, uh, maybe
1: it's more just men and women. The kids do something wrong.
0: I'm like, ground them. She's like, but love them. And then we meet somewhere in the middle. So it's just kind of the way yes, it balances out. I like up. that
1: you admit that I tone you down and that you need it.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we do need each other, but um, yeah, that's a, <laughs> an episode for another day discussing um, how we balance each other out <laughs> and it's necessary. So um, for my prayer requests, well, I'll start with a praise report, uh, asked uh, you guys last week or mentioned my Michigan Wolverines. Be happy to know that they dump trucked Colorado State, which is good news for me. Uh, the football season officially really kicked off last Thursday or this Thursday um, with uh, who won the game? The Buffalo Bills. You're
1: asking me. <laughs> so that was a good
0: time. So if you're into the football mood, um, it seemed to be I didn't watch a lot. I don't keep the volume up, so it didn't seem, you know, they had their stupid little choose love you know thing on the back of their helmet but that was really about it so Hmm. hopefully that's tamped down a little bit this season and that was positive um so those are just praise reports one thing i wanted to mention um just because this was brought up in our life just recently this week and you know I mentioned to you guys a while ago, I stopped using Amazon affiliate links. We've really tried to stop doing business with Amazon, um, because they've made uh, mention that in light of the Roe versus Wade ruling that they would spend, you know, thousands of dollars per employee to make sure they could go out of state to get an abortion. So we decided, you know, it's not entirely easy. There's still small things where you may have to, but as much as possible, you know, stop doing business with these companies that take the money you give them and spend it on satanic and antichrist activities like Amazon. And we had a someone that we know that had brought up basically the same thing. You know, there was some wicked little show, I guess, that was debuted sometime last week called Little Demon. Um, and we made some note about it and they responded basically saying, you know, I'm one of those Christian people that takes trips to Disney. And, you know, we try to teach our kid how to live in this culture, but hey, we're in a fallen world. You can't basically live in a bubble, right? You just, we want our kids to have fun and experience. And I just think that's the wrong mentality. I mean, we certainly want to, you know, we can't live in a bubble, right? But I think we can recognize the danger that giving, especially something like Disney, where you're giving Five, $10,000 of your money to a company that's openly promoting grooming your children mm-hmm. into a sinful um, lifestyle that could potentially lead them to hell. That's their openly stated goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this idea of, well, we want to have fun. So what are we supposed to do? But Satan's always going to make mm-hmm. it fun and easy, right? Mm-hmm. For you to just sort of give your money. Cause then what can you complain about, right? Well, I just gave them $10,000 and then they promoted a new show with, you know, homosexual teenagers that are, you know, teaching my kids how cool and accepting it is. Mm -hmm. Well, you just gave them the money to help produce that show. So who are you to complain against it, right? And it's not that there isn't fun. I mean, just in the vein of a family vacation, there's the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, right? You could go there, the Bible Museum. Yeah, it's not Disney World, but we're, you know, sometimes. And again, this is just me sort of rambling here. You got to kind of make these decisions and they can be discussion points for your children. I mean, this is the things that we need to be discussing with our kids. As we go through the news Mm -hmm. today, we'll be talking about this more. But these are discussions that we have to have with our kids on, you know, we had to sit our kids down and go, here's why we don't have Prime Video anymore. We canceled our Prime membership. You know, we don't buy things on Amazon anymore. This is why we don't do it. Um, and it's unfortunate, it does make life a little bit more difficult, but I think it's important. And back to the affiliate link, that's why, um, we use christianbooks.com and I'm trying to get more affiliate links, um, so that you guys have options to go out and buy things that you need books and, you know, uh, electronics and stuff like that, and not have to go through Amazon and again, you can't avoid it entirely because you may, you know, not go to Amazon, but that leads you to Walmart, right? Both aren't great. But at some point you have to be like, well, I'm just not going to use these ones until it they make a change, and right? Maybe they'll make a so, change
1: because if enough people actually did what we've decided to do, yeah, they would notice.
0: Yeah, I mean, if everybody stopped using Amazon for a, a week, even a they'd week. recognize, right. right?
1: Like, can you even do a week, you know, fast? <laughs>
0: but, so that's why we have christianbooks.com. There's affiliate links down in the show notes. And we would just encourage you, I mean, you can buy anything you want on there. Um, and when we have new affiliate links, go and check those out. And yeah, it's a little more difficult. Yeah, it's a little bit cheaper on Amazon. Shipping might arrive a little bit quicker. But it's just called sacrifice. Yeah. um, It's just, I think that's something we're going to have to do if we want to make the changes that we're hoping to make. So,
1: right. Yeah. I was just going to say like, we do want to teach our kids about the culture, but at the same time, they need to see us making sacrifices and not just giving in, um, furthering the world's agenda for the sake of whatever entertainment that you want or conveniences, they need to see us take a stand because they're growing up in the world. It's going to be even harder on them. The way things are going, they need to learn what sacrifice looks like saying, no, okay, I'll do without this because just teach them that you don't need to take part in that. Like it's okay that you don't have life as convenient or as fun as everybody else. Like just think when it comes time and it's the mark of the beast and you're going to take it because it's the right thing to do to provide for your family and to keep working. And we've already experienced, you know, precursors, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. People losing their job over not taking an ex- experimental jab.
0: Yeah. So I would just encourage you guys to consider that. I mean, you know, whatever, you know, what's right for your family, we're not trying to say is, you know, what's right for our family is right for every family, but just this idea of, mm. you know, well, I got to do business, or I don't want to not have fun. So what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, um, set that example, you know, yeah. do the tough thing. You know, that's how the apostles learned to do what they did. They watched Jesus do it. Um, and that's what we should be instilling in our children as well at some level. So. Um, All right, before we get into the news of the day, let's uh, make mention here of Cardinal Contingency Contingency Solutions. um, The best place to go to learn how to make sure you're not putting your foot in your mouth, um, saying things you shouldn't be saying, your employees shouldn't be saying, um, that get yourselves in these pickles that we see so many public figures get into online. You know, if someone shows up, At your church, um, at your business, with a camera in your face, um, pressing you with hard questions. How do you stay on message? How do you not get yourself uh, sort of entrapped there? Cardinal is the best place to go to to get that training. And I would highly encourage you to get the training before you realize, oh, crap, I needed that training. Um, Best to be prepared. And then also, we are proud members of the Christian Podcast community. Uh, I got right here, pulled up Apple podcast, and this is what's great about the Christian podcast community. You can just jump on Apple podcast, Spotify, you know, whatever your podcasting platform is, and um, just subscribe to Christian podcast community. And then you get all 60 podcasters, their episodes uploaded daily. So you can see us right down here, our devotionals but all the other ones and there's always new episodes, good episodes coming out every day. So I highly encourage you guys to go um, subscribe, leave a nice review um, while you're there to the Christian podcast community, they would appreciate it. So. All right. We all know what time it is. It's the time to prepare yourself. Gird your loins. Steal up your soul, as we get ready for our weekly trek through the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Take a look at the news of the week. So this week, um, well, I guess the first big story uh, just came out. I think Thursday night, maybe um, Queen Elizabeth the Second. She has died at 96 years old. Um, pretty um, what do you know about Queen Elizabeth, honey? Anything?
1: I honestly don't. I don't know a lot. I just hear there's a queen and that's it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, doesn't really mean a whole lot to me here. Um, you know, she's died. So that means Charles, her son, has become King Charles now, I suppose. But yeah. maybe there's something, maybe that's the American spirit. Something about monarchy is repulsive to me, um, even though she seems like a sweet old lady. Um, just not a big fan of monarchy. But she is, as far as I understand, she was the longest reigning monarch in the history of the world. What it say 70? 72 years.
1: 72.
0: So our entire life, she's been the queen of England, Um, but don't know what she does. Don't know what she ever did. Uh, That's maybe my bigger contention with the monarchy in England. I know that she swears in prime ministers, Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess that's what we'll see, right? When King Charles comes in, will things change? You know, I don't know.
1: I have no idea. I wonder if there's going to be, I don't know, good or bad changes. I don't know exactly what it's like over there
0: um no idea but she's passed away so lift up her family in prayer um from what i've heard i don't know she's a faithful woman that's as far as i've ever heard but who knows you know pray that she's in heaven right now um but pray for her family um hope the relations stay positive you know britain is one of our great allies in the world Hopefully that continues, Uh, but yep, she has passed away. So um, the bigger story, and this happened really right before our episode launched last week, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I wanted to take a moment to um, discuss it just briefly before, well, just before we kind of rolled on to other stories, because I don't want to miss it. So you guys are, um, I'm sure, well aware of the speech that President Biden gave from what appeared to be the gates of hell. I tried um, to
1: have the kids listen to it today. Don't ever.
0: <laughs> don't even make your worst enemy listen to it. I was like, just listen,
1: I want you to notice what he's saying. What do you think he's referring to? I just want them to learn how to pick up, you know, Yeah. To discern.
0: No, it's worth listening to. I mean, you don't always, well, really in today's world where the news is simply propaganda, you never want to just take an opinionist's um, point of view on a story, right? Go and listen to it for yourself. Don't even take our word for it. If you haven't listened to the speech, go listen to it for yourself and make your own um, thoughts on it. Uh, The first thing I noticed that I've heard other people make mention of, you know, it's Good to know that there's marines that are out guarding the apparent gates of hell, lest anyone <laughs> should try to escape. I don't know. Terrible look. Um, I would not wish to be one of those marines in that uh, that moment. But um, I do just want to highlight some of the things that I saw, or listen, or that I heard listening to the speech, and what stood out to me. Um, like with most political speeches. They all hurt my stomach uh, when I listened to them. This one probably more than all others. I think it was maybe the worst speech in the history of the world. Uh, I can't imagine that it unified or uplifted a single person on planet Earth. um, Unless maybe you woke up from like an 80 year coma and you thought the Nazi party had become the MAGA Republican somehow. Know, what
1: would you assume? You know, but if you've
0: been <laughs> a conscious being for the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I don't know how it unified. It just dug you deeper in wherever you're at. So I don't yeah. know what the, the was mission of it was. Very bad. Um, very bad speech. But uh, like I do with all these speeches, I started listening to it and was just making you know, notes every eight seconds, I'd hit pause and write something down and then realized, yeah, I can't do that. Um, That's way too much stuff here. But uh, I think, you know, we can really sum up the entire speech by just saying, we didn't really agree with any of it, right. Um, And I thought it was interesting right at the start, you know, basically a minute and 40 seconds in, he says, I've come to the place where it all began, Independence Hall, where our founders laid aside numerous differences. And then he goes on to uh, say whatever he says. So I just thought it was interesting that he was giving this speech in front of Independence Hall. um, Again, that they dressed up as the gates of hell, you know, with that. (laughs) Whoever, whoever set up that speech ought to be fired. Um,
1: Yeah.
0: You know, because they say, and if you look at the bigger thing, it was red, white and blue. Well, Maybe (laughs) have the blue behind him right in the middle, right? Not the red. I mean for the love of all things holy, that is just terrible. But um or maybe it was designed that way to appease their satanic base. Very well could have been a very thoughtful um you know, they want their leader <laughs> speaking to them from the direct gates of hell. I don't know. Um but I do find it interesting that the very place where our founders came together and laid aside immense differences Not least among those was slavery for the sake of unity. President Biden went to that place and did the complete opposite.
1: I know.
0: Right? Like the founders, they're God-fearing men, and they sought to bring the country together. President Biden, it seemed, looked to divide the uh, country further. Um, So it's fitting that the very same place where the republic was born is the same place where the republic should die. So I thought that was a pretty fitting example um, of that there. Maybe some, I don't know, Providence, who knows. But the two big points that stood out to me, um, the first one he said at uh, six minutes and 39 seconds in, he said, there are far more Americans, far more from every background and belief who reject the extreme MAGA ideology. And this, to me, I think was pretty eye-opening, because I think it's important to not forget that MAGA stands for Make America Great Again. So he's saying there's a majority of Americans, at least in the president's mind, that reject making America great again.
1: Yeah. He just, he kept saying like, they look like they're going backwards. But the thing is, it's like, yeah, we do need to go backwards a little bit. Like you keep going forward. But what's your goal going forward is more wickedness, more freedom to murder and mutilate and just sin against God. That's their plan going forward. We need to go back. Just like it's just repent, turn back and go toward God. Yeah, you need to go backwards and go back to God. It's the same thing. And they have this negative idea about going backwards. Backwards doesn't mean negative. Backwards is good.
0: Right. Progress at all costs does not mean that it's good progress, right? Right. Remember, you know, that C.S. Lewis quote that I've mentioned on here before, where he says, you know, when you're on the road of progress and you come to a fork, you know, if you take the left path and it turns out to be the wrong path or path, the first one to turn around and go back to the fork is the most progressive. Yeah. Just continuing down the wrong path for the sake of continuing is not any sort of Beneficial or like moral thing. No, we're on the wrong path. Turn around. (laughs) But it, you know, it may be the more scary thing is he may be right, you know, that the majority of Americans don't like the idea of making America great again.
1: Well, that's Um, the whole plan is they gotta, cause it's, he's always saying, well, he started out, we the people, who are the people now? Who's representing the people? Because the people are divided. So who's we the people that he's talking
0: about? Well, right. And that's the sort of the disingenuous nature of what politicians do, because, you know, for his entire presidency, it's been incredibly divisive. Really, since Donald Trump was elected president, it's just been a hard divide where they've been purposefully trying to divide America. But then President Biden has especially been divisive. And then you come to this speech, and the whole thing is about painting these MAGA Republicans as basically domestic terrorists. I know. But then you get up there and you're like, I'm a president for all the people. And you're like, are you though?
1: I know. Right. I know. know. I was just shaking my head like all. So, I mean, but every
0: politician says that. Right. And it's always disingenuous. So
1: everything he said was a lie. He was just up there. Just lying. Everything
0: certainly seemed that way. So, but the second point that I, thought was interesting was what you sort of talked about already. He said this at seven minutes and three seconds in, so you guys can look these up and see them for yourself if you want. But he said, I believe America is at an inflection point, one of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. Mm -hmm. And now America must choose to move forward or Mm -hmm. to move backward, to build a future or obsess about the past. To be a nation of hope and unity and optimism, or one of fear, division, and darkness. And, you know, as is generally the case, whenever the godless left is accusing um, someone of something, it's generally what they themselves are guilty of.
1: Well, how are, how are we causing fear and darkness? what's the darkness he's referring to
0: It always centers back to January 6th oh, that's the big right. thing that's which is pretty he's interesting I thought about this you know they always January 6th January 6th and their one big and this is his darkness right it's pointing to January 6th this one single day in American history but they make no mention of what the left did in this country which we dub the summer of 2020 they had an entire summer of destroying this nation, billions of dollars, this so-called made-up MAGA Republican went to the Capitol for one day and it's good enough. Like even on the scales of justice, right? A summer of destruction versus one single day where some windows were broken. But, right, it's always a lie. It's always they're guilty of whatever they're accusing of. And you see the same Mm -hmm. thing here, right? Like Nikki said, darkness and division. Where is it coming from? You know, it seems like it's easy to see. And it's always coming from the satanic side. So what's the satanic side? It's the left, right? Um,
1: We're just in the way of them progressing their future, their goal. We're in the way. So we're terrorists.
0: (laughs) You're getting in the way of Satan establishing a one world order. And he's not too pleased about that. So But again, I would say he's right. You know, we are at an inflection point. And I think we are at a moment um, that will determine our future. And I think that's very telling. Um, So I think we must choose to, you know, move forward or progress, as he says, or move backwards um, and make America great again.
1: Again, yes, you do need to go back. That implies going back. Yeah, we got off the path. We need to go back.
0: Their mindset, the leftists, right? They're communists, they're globalists. So, their idea of progress into this brighter future, future is to be global citizens. Mm-hmm. We're citizens of the world, right? That's the whole new world order, one world government. Um, or you can obsess about the past, which is let's put America first. Let's focus on us instead of whatever some godless European. You know, autocrat thinks we ought to do here. Why don't we do what's best for us here? Yeah. Um, So we are at an inflection point and it's a very serious point. And I don't know that we have too many people that are really willing to make the right choice. Because again, going back to like the Disney friend example, well, what's the comfortable choice? Well, it's whatever the government tells you is the comfortable choice. Okay, well, I'll just go along to get along. Sure, this shot looks like pure poison in our veins and it's killing everybody. It doesn't stop anything, but it's going to be uncomfortable for me if I don't do what the government says. So I'll just do it. Right. If it, <laughs> like, if just 10%, you know, of the people I just think of my own career in the military would have just stood up and been like, yeah, dude, we're not doing that. If you want to kick out 10, 20% of your military, good luck. They would have had to have stopped it. Yeah. But instead, that's left to, of people to stand up. Well, they can dismiss 1%. Who cares? Right? It's just, yeah, we are at an inflection point. That's the scary part. So Mm -hmm. um, and then the last thing he did this throughout the entire speech, and you hear it all the time, more and more, it seems to be increasing. But this use of the word democracy is intentional. Because we are not a democracy. We've never been a democracy. Um, So this is that sort of flagrant lying, and it's just intentional, as far as I'm concerned, to subvert the Constitution, not to uphold it. You know, and he did make passing remarks that we support the Constitution, you know, sure, you know, it's easy to say, it's hard to do. But this use of the word democracy is intentional. And I think that they want America to be in the mindset of majority rule, which is what democracy is. It's Mm mob rule majority rule, because then the media, the politicians, these sort of faked up or fake drummed up, you know, polls that they constantly put out can convince you, well, that the Constitution is just getting in the way of what the majority of people want,
1: Mm.
0: right? We need to get rid of it so that the majority can get, you know, whatever abortion on demand that they want. We can mutilate children because everyone thinks it's right. And we've never been that way we're a uh, constitutional republic with democratic principles that's the way we've always been but this usage of democracy is it's that propagandizing where mm-hmm. they're trying to make you think oh well hillary clinton did win more votes than donald trump i guess he stole the presidency
1: he did no. bring that up he was like implying that it was going to happen as if that's not what happened right with them
0: and that's but- that idea and we don't want a democracy we don't want a democracy we do not want mob rule because mob rule steamrolls the little guy. You know, slavery may not have been ended if we were a democracy. Women would not have the right to vote if we were a democracy. Like these sorts of things. So we don't want a democracy, but it's intentional. I think it's sinful. I think it's nefarious for these politicians to do it. And it makes sense because it's of their father, I would imagine. So yeah, he was the liar from the beginning, murderer from the beginning. So... Um, It would make sense there. So um, do you have any last thoughts that you want to say on President Biden's speech from the gates of hell?
1: No, let's get off that.
0: (laughs) Uh, Terrible. Worst speech of all time. Um, So the next story that we have here was one that also happened last week. And I wanted to make mention of it then, but I just wasn't sure if it was the right time to give this to, to talk about it or if it was really worth talking about. But then some more news broke on it this week. And I thought, all right, you know, it fits with what we've been talking about a lot lately. Um, so if you want to read this headline, honey.
1: BYU under fire for allegations of racism by Duke women's volleyball
0: player. Yep. So I guess my thought is, will BYU be the first Christian, no quote university to fall to the d i e uh army, I think, and that was what I thought of originally, and I didn't really fully flush that thought out until this week when more news broke, so um again, this was a really big story in the sporting world last week uh, and again, just we decided to skip it because there's always so many stories when you do this show once a week that the episode could be eight hours long and you wouldn't cover all the stuff you want to cover. But if you guys are aware of what happened, then, you know, you kind of, I guess, know the history. If you're unaware, basically there was a Duke bat or Duke volleyball player named Rachel Richardson. I believe she's the only African-American starter for the Duke women's volleyball team. Um, And, There were some serious allegations of racism leveled against the BYU fan base um, when Duke went to BYU to play a volleyball match. So do you want to read these two paragraphs? Mm
1: -hmm. A Friday night NCAA women's volleyball match between BYU and Duke was mired by an alleged act of racism. Rachel Richardson, a 19-year-old African-American sophomore player for the Blue Devils, was reportedly called the N-word by by a non-student fan sitting in BYU's student section at the Smith Fieldhouse.
0: Yep. So that's the allegation. She was called the N-word repeatedly um, by this person at the uh, BYU Fieldhouse there during the volleyball game. And the story was given some extra fuel um, by Rachel Richardson's godmother, um, who apparently is some political candidate who's known to be somewhat of a race baiter, um, at least on social media. And then, of course, once this all came out, you know, the super woke sports media jumped on board, came to Rachel Richardson's defense and, you know, denounced all of this supposed drummed up racism and hatred that she had to suffer, right? Um, but the big problem with the story is none of it was real. Um, it was to this day, apparently seems to be completely fabricated, um, basically drummed up out of nowhere. And Mm. do you want to read, uh, this headline here? This is well from the Cougar Chronicle, I guess, like the BYU newspaper. Do you want to just read the headline and then this paragraph?
1: It says, uh, exclusive racist comments at BYU volleyball game never happened, sources suggest.
0: And just like that little paragraph right there.
1: The Cougar Chronicle has been unable to find a source in the student section that can corroborate Richardson's claim of racial slurs being yelled at her. Vera Smith, a BYU student in the student section during the game, said she heard absolutely nothing that could be taken as a racial slur.
0: Well, and of course, Vera Smith must be a racist herself for <laughs> not hearing racist slurs that didn't exist. Um,
1: There's no other witnesses. No nobody's come anything. forward.
0: Um, apparently they said that they overheard. So there was like this special needs kid in the crowd. They don't say what necessarily a special need was, but he came forward and said some things and they, they thought, well, that's the voice That sounded like who was yelling these racial slurs. So they got this special needs kid kicked out of the volleyball match. And there's no evidence that he said anything racially inflammatory at all.
1: Wow. So you're like, who's the
0: discriminatory one here? Duke volleyball throws some special needs kid out of a game and call him a racist. Wow. So very bizarre. But, you know, of course, you know, facts be darned. Um, that didn't stop the, again, the woke media, sports media, and all that stuff, all the woke warriors from defending this sort of fake notion of racism. And it really sounded to me like Bubba Wallace. If you guys remember that the NASCAR driver who somehow found a noose in his garage that just happened to be a rope pulley for a garage door. Didn't matter though, right? NASCAR is racist. Enough said, um, so that was kind of the the story as it stood last week. Um, but then this week, the head basketball coach for South Carolina, um, their women's basketball coach, I think her name is Dawn Staley. Um, and I think also we can't let the University of South Carolina off the hook because she is just a basketball coach, although it sounds like she made this decision sort of on her own, some bizarre reason. Um, but still, she works for the university. As far as I know, she hasn't been fired yet or anything um, reprimanded. But this week, she canceled a home and home series for later this year and next year with BYU over these unfounded claims of racism. Um, so do you <laughs> want to just uh, read that headline in this paragraph?
1: Uh, South Carolina women's basketball coach Don Staley cancels games with BYU due to unsubstantiated racist volleyball incident.
0: Yep. And then, uh, yeah, this is a quote from their head basketball coach, Don Staley. Do you want to just read that paragraph?
1: As a head coach, my job is to do what's best for my players and staff. She said in a statement. Um, the incident at BYU has led me to reevaluate our home and home. And I don't feel that this is the right time for us to engage in this series.
0: Yep. So, uh, there's a lot of things that could be said about this story. I think all in all, and none of them are really good, <laughs> no matter what angle I think you want to look at it. Um, but I think what we want to focus on and why it stood out to me is because we've been talking about the idea of diversity, inclusion, and equity um, over the last you know few weeks or months. we've had a couple of different episodes on this topic and um, if you remember, there was a video that we played or one of our episodes right down here, the What I Say, got me blocked on Facebook. but in that episode, um, there was a clip from Twitter that we played. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me pause this real quick. And if you remember this clip, it, you know, we were talking about, again, diversity, inclusion and equity sort of infiltrating the churches. Um, So I'm just going to play, you know, 25 seconds or so of this clip just to sort of refresh everybody's memory here. And then we'll jump back in. Talking about the church and how systemic racism still plays out. I mean, if we look at our seminaries, yeah. um, and especially predominantly white seminaries, what does the leadership and most of the professors look like still? Yeah. And what, you know, whose voice is being left out as it relates in the classroom, the books that are being taught from, it's not that you have, all theologi- theologians are not white. Yeah. But you would think, and even some people come out of seminary not knowing a non-white theologian. Yeah, totally. At all. And yeah. so, so um, you know, in that clip, right, she's saying what we need to start doing is getting this diversity into the seminaries. If you remember, you know, mm-hmm. we need to start getting, you know, more diverse people. Obviously speaking a little bit about African-Americans there. Um, and again, this might just be the conspiracy theory side of my brain. Although in reality, my brain is probably three quarters conspiracy, Um, (laughs) but I can't help but suspect that BYU was targeted um, for this. What I would say, maybe a hit job for a reason. Um, And that was, as soon as I heard this story come out, I thought, boy, it makes sense that it's BYU. Um, And Jason Whitlock on his podcast, fearless. um, He brought this, Um, point up. And I think it's a great point. I'm going to read some of it. It's a little bit long. So just bear with me. But I think it's really interesting. So he says. What I found most interesting in the story is the role of a business called a long talk. It's an anti racism counseling business that launched in Washington, DC, two months after the death of St. George Floyd in Minneapolis. For a fee, a long talk team member will visit your school or business and teach people how to be anti-racist. Just days before Rachel Richardson allegedly endured racial taunts at BYU, a long talk team member counseled the Duke volleyball team on unpacking your truth, finding your voice and activating your activism. It says according to long or er, a longtalk.com, unpacking your truth means I will be able to make connections between our shared American history and our current reality. Finding your voice means I will be able to use the CPR protocol to challenge racist comments and beliefs. Activating your activism means um, I will understand the reality that creating a counterculture of anti-racism can only happen through collective, consistent, and courageous acts of identifying and interrupting racism, <laughs> so that's a lot there. Wow. But I pulled up here. You can go to the Along Walks um, r- website here, and you can just see right at the top: have an anti-racism activation experience. That's what they're selling you. So maybe that's what they were selling Rachel Richardson.
1: They're just looking. They're just. That's why people see it everywhere. Yeah, because they're saying um, consistent. Courageous acts of identifying and interrupting racism.
0: Right. You can have this <laughs> anti-racism activation experience. And you know what? If it doesn't exist, make it up. Make That's it up, and the media on, will buy sure. off on it. Um, they won't hold you accountable to it. So, you know, you look at that, right? We've got um, you know, these diversity, inclusion, and equity warriors, you know, at this conference that we just watched on Twitter, and they're talking about we need to infiltrate the seminaries, we've got a long talk, going to Duke, activate your, you know, anti-racism experience right before they're getting ready to go to BYU. So I think that's why BYU was targeted. Um, You know, and while Mormonism is not Christian, uh, they claim to be Christian. And I think to most of America, they assume that they are Christian, because that's what they say. Um, And most people don't really do enough digging necessarily to recognize the differences in the religions. Mm -hmm. So, to the broader American populace, BYU is Christian. Um, And I think uh, Mormons are, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's got to (laughs) be close to 90 to 95% all white. Um, It's a very white denomination, right? Um, I think they're, because maybe for a long time they didn't even really allow blacks in to Mormonism. So very white, almost predominantly white, supposed Christian, then BYU is the largest Mormon university in the world, as far as I understand it. Hmm. So if these D.I.E. sort of zealots, you know, can get their claws um, into BYU uh, and sort of begin to make their like anti-racism which whatever AKA racism moves in that campus, um, you like, what chance does your university really have if they can get it into BYU? Yeah. And the biggest, bigger problem here is like BYU didn't even do themselves any favors. Um, They started off by apologizing to this girl. The athletic director apologized. I think she even had a meeting with the governor of Utah or something crazy where he was apologizing to her like just bending over backwards for something that never happened it didn't
1: even happen that is odd. don't people just want like that's a serious um it's just something's too serious for them to just believe it like what's the proof nobody heard it that's something like everybody's saying i didn't hear anything except the one person
0: who is about victim. what it says about your thought of your students right again the I don't know that the governor of Utah is Mormon. I would imagine he is. The athletic director, I'm most certain is Mormon. So somebody comes and goes, hey, you're, you know, Mormon students in the crowd were calling me a bunch of racial slurs. and Nobody went, that does not sound like I our mean, student base here. I by apologizing
1: without proof is saying, I expect that from them. That probably did happen. Yeah. Apologizing without proof is agreeing with them. And it it would make
0: sense if this was 2013. You'd go, holy smoke, somebody was doing that? I cannot believe. This is 2022, and these made-up racist claims come out every week, it seems like. And all these supposed leaders didn't just go, yeah, I'll wait to see what the facts say. But no, they got to just go and splay themselves before the D.I.E. gods and make sure that they don't upset You know, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, who's upset at him, anyways? (laughs) There's nothing they're going to say to appease these people. So um, it just made it like Satan's got to be licking his lips at how easy this is going to be to infiltrate these seminaries. And while BYU is not necessarily a seminary, again, it's the biggest Mormon university in the world. Um, You know, so again, you could say it's coincidence. I tend to think that's naive. To have those thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think it was purposeful. Um, And I think it's just the start. And I think you could assume maybe your favorite Christian university um, is on the chopping block for DIE infiltration as well. Because it's not just going to be, well, we need some more black preachers or black teachers in there. That may be the wedge that gets them in, but it's going to be soon before, well, you need more women on your staff too. Okay, well, we don't really have women teachers and preachers and elders here, right. oh, Well, you need to. Oh, well, you need to have a couple of homosexuals on your staff, too. Well, we don't really uphold homosexual values. We think it's a sin. Well, you will, right? And it's just this weaseling in to where now your Christian faith is just, you know, the stuff that your kids are being taught There's is basically left. Union Theological Seminary. And you're just some far-left progressive who— yeah, Jesus was a nice dude. Yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and, you know, sacrifice ourselves to the LGBTQ gods.
1: It's just going to turn into like the Joel Osteen gospel.
0: Yeah, like that might be the extent of it. Um, you can take it as far as Joel Osteen. <laughs> you take it one step further and you actually tell them something is a sin. We're coming for you. Right. Um so it's dangerous, and I think it was purposeful, and I think that's why it's worth bringing up. So, uh, let us know what you guys think about this. Um, you know, if you think I'm, you know, way too tinfoil hat here for you, uh, let me know. But I just feel that there is an urgency. You know, if you're in college today, if you work for a college, if you're an alumni, whatever happens to be of a Christian university, because whatever the secular world wants to do they're going to do it already, right? Most of these secular universities are completely compromised already. They
1: can get away with like anything now. Really? They tested the waters and they like, wow, we can go
0: all in now. Well, and that's the shameful thing. You don't even need facts. You can just have one girl go, "Hey, somebody called me something racist," and everybody's like, "Enough said. You can have our university." I know. Like, really. Where's the fight? Where's going, yeah, we're sorry if that happened to you. It's regretful. Have a nice day.
1: Like, nobody like, even stood up for the special needs kid. Like, like does anybody think him? that
0: Rachel Richardson is some oppressed minority? She goes to Duke for crying out loud. It's one of the premier universities in all of America. She's probably there on a scholarship to play volley. Like, if that's not the elite, I don't know what is. Right. But her mother's a politician, her grand- godmother's a politician. Like, this isn't. Frederick Douglass, who just got out from the Underground Railroad, and you're like, oh man, I'm sorry you had a difficult life. This girl is, you know, it's I don't know her life name. story, but she's not Ugh. some underserved it minority. It's just so crazy. So
1: I'm just so tired of all the the victim mindset and how the ones who aren't really oppressed are the ones being oh, you know,
0: no they're useful idiots i think and you know i don't know the girl but again it all just seems to line up that this is more purposeful than just accidental right um, i think BYU again was targeted for a reason that makes sense to me so um the next story really the last um main story that we have here uh today is mm-hmm. um here from the daily wire and do you want to just read this headline, honey?
1: Doctor poses for a picture with the child she just mutilated. Post from gender affirming surgeon with patient goes viral.
0: Yep. And this is, uh, I do like that on the internet now. They're like, "Ooh, this is very gruesome. Do you want to see it? But you guys can see the picture right here. This is the young lady who's just had her breast lopped off. Um, in a top surgery and this is the doctor next to her and the doctor is this Why
1: don't they have uh, their faces
0: they do on one of these
1: oh i only clicked one before oh it's right
0: here this is the lady um dr gallagher i believe is her name and um obviously we've been hearing a lot about this stuff in the news you know obviously we've talked about what is a woman on here the documentary and The reason why I wanted to highlight this story um, is because, you know, you always think that sort of like seeing demonically possessed or demonically influenced people, you know, somehow that they're going to like look scary or mean. uh, But no, this is what they look like. (laughs) This is what the demonically influenced looks like. Dr. Gallagher, um, like these people are demonically influenced, if not possessed outright. I mean, because if you see her, uh, her post on here, she's like, just realized I only get to yeet four teats next week. I only get to lop the breasts off of four girls next week.
1: Poor you. (laughs) And then if you
0: watch her video in her TikTok, it's all about how cool it is that she gets to mutilate people's bodies for transgender surgery. And
1: Does she feel like a hero?
0: She thinks she's a hero, right? And saving that's the demonic influence, I think, that you see there. They're doing the work of Satan, right? Like, she's made it her life to mutilate the bodies of what we would consider mentally ill people. Um, Sad. So I think that's why we wanted to highlight this story. Um, Because this girl, she's most likely going to suffer for the rest of her life. And... Dr. Gallagher, you know, she might take this money and go buy a new purse, right, and have a good old day. Um, it's demonic. And again, I think it's important to kind of like we talked about with Amazon earlier and, you know, making those hard choices. I think it's important to highlight this stuff to your family and especially if you have young children. Um, I think it's a shame that we have to discuss this thing with children. Mm-hmm. Um but I think, you know, in times of like war and famine, kids need to grow up fast. Mm-hmm. And we're in a time of great spiritual war and spiritual famine. So I think our kids likewise need to grow up fast. Um, because the facts, if, or act, or the facts are, if you aren't discussing this stuff with your kids early, mm-hmm. um, Satan's children will. You know, you can't even be certain that if you send your kid to a public school at 10 years old, the school counselor isn't going to be affirming some, you know, transgender ideology that they have and giving them abortion pills, you know, without telling their parents or, you know, pushing them to take hormone blockers, like they're going to do this behind your back. So you better get out in front of it and start teaching your kids what this looks like.
1: They're going to hear about it and be taught the wrong, wrong way to think about it. And you're not even going to realize that they learned about it because kids don't talk about everything that happened at school. They don't remember. You have no idea.
0: Well, no, but they're also groomed and taught that these people are sort of a safe space for them. They're their teachers. They're people they can look up to and role role models.
1: So anything anybody in school tells them, the parents obviously have to approve in their mind. That's what they're thinking.
0: Right. And these people think that they're doing good work, they think it's their job to affirm your child. And if your parents don't understand, just don't tell them I'm your advocate here, right? They're going to be sort of subverting you as a parent, if you don't get out in front of this and start talking to your kids about what this world looks like, and what they're going to be presented with, even from a very young age. Um, uh, I think, I think it's very important. um, Because again, you know, we're sort of what I would say kind of at the ground floor of building a nation that doesn't hate God and isn't actively subverting his will. Um, So it's going to be our children that really carry that message forward um, and advance the fight. You know, we're kind of at the ground floor trying to, you know, raise up people to take this fight to the next level. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is who they're fighting and this is what they're fighting against. So I think it's important for them to see it. And I think also, We need to look evil in the face. I think we need to see what evil in the world really looks like. Can't ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. Right. Um, You know, just the other day on the Daily Wire, we watched a documentary uh, about abortion with our children. Our youngest daughter is nine. Um, And so she didn't really understand everything about it. But we're like, you need to know and we need to discuss this stuff as a family, you know. What does it mean to have an abortion? What are they telling you when they say they're pro-choice or a women's right to choose? What are they really telling you here? Um, because it's important, right? Because the world, if you don't tell them, they're going to go and explain it to them. Mm-hmm. And they don't care about the age, right? There's been plenty of stories come out from lives of TikTok and stuff where these, you know, children's hospitals talk about doing their gender reassignment surgery on children, you know, minors. And they might not publicly say it, but when they get them off the record, they're like, yeah, we've done it on 16-year-olds. And I mean, and they speak openly and proudly about it. So, and we've seen with the way the abortion industry is so open and adamant to give your kids the opportunity to kill their own children. So you got to, you got to present it to them. I think it's vitally important that they understand the wickedness of the world around them.
1: Yeah, you got to raise your children up in the way they should go and part of teaching them the way is telling them the way not to go they need to know the right way because the way not to go is the wide path and it's easy to walk on and that's where everybody's gonna be telling them to go and it's it is sad like Spencer said like it's a shame we have to talk about these things but we have to, they're going to learn about it anyway, and they're going to learn the wrong way to think about it.
0: And I think there's also a benefit to being open with your kids about this stuff is that if they understand that you've already discussed this with them, they'll be open when they do have questions about it to bring mm-hmm. it to you. Yes. You know, like, Hey, I've, you know, heard about this or whatever from a friend, or, you know, if you've already been in the mode of discussing these difficult topics, right. they may be more free to talk to talk to you about them rather than. Uh, well, the only person I can talk to is the counselor at school. Well, yeah. she's going to be telling you to go get an abortion. And if you feel like you, you know, you like wearing Air Force Ones and sagging your shorts, well, then you're probably a dude and not a girl. Like, so just go get some gender reassignment surgery. Like, it's just, it's so important. I mean, it's so important to understand the battle that our kids are facing.
1: I know. Because it's not that. important
0: for us. I mean, at 37 years old, they're not convincing me. Like, it's, it doesn't matter, right? And again, this is why, you know, like when I went on Tom Jumps too, I don't really care what an atheist has to say. And even if he makes me feel like an idiot, it's not changing my mind. It doesn't make any difference to me. Right. But a kid at 9, 10, 15, it will make a difference to them. And if they are, aren't being taught by godly people, they're going to be influenced by the wicked, like the Dr. Gallaghers. So, super important.
1: And in kids, they just believe everything they just trust adults yeah, even if it's so not stupid <laughs> cuz i remember hearing like people say oh boys can play with dolls and girls can play with cars and you know they used to make a big deal about that to say let boys play with the girl toys and let girls play with the the boys um, you know army men or whatever but now they're using that as a reason to say you were born the wrong gender. Yeah. Like they're saying the complete opposite now. So telling a little kid that now and getting it in their head thinking, Oh, a boy likes to play with baby dolls. That's, and then they're like teaching little boys that you were probably meant to be a girl. And I was like thinking, well, boys grow up to be dads. Why would a a boy not want to play with baby dolls? I think that's normal. Like, (laughs) They're going to hold care for babies one day. I don't think that means at all. And how many girls do you know? They're always trying to push um, girls into like a career that is mostly men, for example. Like go work in, as a mechanic or something, for example. They're saying, we need more women in this field. But if you're leaning toward that, you're really interested in cards, you're probably the wrong gender. So how are you going to have more women in that field if you're convincing them that they really are a man? <laughs> how confusing that is?
0: No, feminism <laughs> eats itself. Um, it's a, a snake eating its own tail. Yes. Um, at the end of the day. Yes. Right. I mean, I that's know. what like, yeah, I mean, women are, women can do what men can do. And then women are equal to men and then, you know, women are men. And then men just do all the things that women used to do better than women. like. It's
1: so twisted.
0: Men can be in women's sports. Oh, they won all the competitions. They just killed women's sports. Thanks, feminism. So, yeah, it's bizarre. It's satanic. Um, I feel like we use that word more and more frequently um, because it just...
1: It's fitting. You
0: can say evil. You can say antichrist. They're all true. I think satanic just sums it up a little bit uh, nicer, puts a little bow on it there. So, (laughs) um, Do you have any other... Anything else you want to mention on those before we roll into our Bible topic? No. All right. So for our Bible topic, like we mentioned, we wanted to kind of touch on, you know, salvation a little bit Um, because, you know, you've got people like Joel Osteen that are leading people uh, down the wide road to hell and making them feel good the whole way there. I know. And it's dangerous and they need to understand, you know, First off, how do I get saved? Why do I get saved? And then they also need to understand how do I know that I'm saved, right? Those are all important things and scripture speaks on it all. That's how you know it's important. Um, So that's what we wanted to do over the next 15-ish episodes, depending on what the world throws at us. And we want to use two, again, kind of diving back into the news here, two news stories just to sort of highlight this a little bit. um, Because I saw these in the news this week and I thought, boy, those are fitting. Um, so this first story here, um, let me see if I can get it pulled up. Do you want to read the headline, honey? Uh,
1: yeah. Britney Spears says, yeah, I'm an atheist, y'all. Britney Spears says she no longer believes in God. (laughs)
0: And then you want to read this?
1: There is nothing to believe in anymore. I'm an atheist, y'all. Spears said at the end of a three minute rant to her son, Jaden, where she rattled off a list of financial obligations she took on in her decades-long career, including paying her mother's legal fees and sending $40,000 a month to her ex-husband.
0: Yep. And then, yeah, do you want to just read that paragraph? Right.
1: In the recording in which Spears claimed that if God really existed— She wouldn't have suffered or lost the autonomy to make her own decisions for 13 years. God would not have allowed that to happen to me if God existed. I don't believe in God anymore because of the way my children and my family have treated me.
0: (laughs) Yep. So Britney Spears is an atheist. She
1: sounds like very childish here.
0: Yeah, she certainly does. Um,
1: But a lot of people think this way. Very common. If oh, God yeah. was real, bad things would never happen to me.
0: Well, again, and when you get fed a constant diet of health, wealth, and prosperity, you know, speak your best life now into existence, and then it doesn't happen, well, then God's not real, because yeah. I've been doing what you told me to do, and it's, doesn't, it's not happening, right? Um, and then there was just one more story that I wanted to touch on, um, just to highlight this. So do you want to read this headline?
1: Over a third of senior pastors believe good people can earn their way to heaven.
0: Yep. Yeah, and then just read, yeah, like that first paragraph or two, or just that first paragraph here.
1: Oh, at least a third of senior pastors in the United States believe one can earn a place in heaven by simply being a good person, according to a nationwide survey. So these pastors aren't reading their Bible at all.
0: Pretty much. No, of course not. And then it says down here the American worldview inventory 2022 examined more than three dozen beliefs held by pastors. Researchers found that in addition to believing that people can merit salvation based solely on their good works. One third or more of senior pastors surveyed also believe the Holy Spirit is not a person, but rather a symbol of God's power. Others said that moral truth is subjective sexual relations between two unmarried people who love each other is morally acceptable and biblical teaching on abortion is ambiguous. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff in that article and they, you know, they don't necessarily highlight exactly which churches these people came from, but they do highlight down in there that, you know, they're evangelicals. So they would hold to, I guess, in some sense, things that we would consider traditional Christianity. Um, But I thought why these two stories were important, especially given what we're getting ready to talk about, the road to salvation and your assurance of salvation. You know, the Britney Spears thing, I would say she isn't a Christian. Again, I don't know the person's soul, but it's like every week, you know, she's putting naked pictures on Instagram. Like, that's not something a Christian does. Sorry, ladies, that's not something a Christian does. If you find joy in people staring at your naked or half naked body, I would challenge your faith. Um, That's just me personally, but that's, you don't, I don't know. You don't make those two things work there. Um, But then again, you see her mindset, right? Like Nikki said, this is probably what a lot of people in this country believe, right? Because she says, um, you know, that because she's had some hardship in her life, um, that that means God can't be real. And again, this is that, I think, Joel Osteen mindset of Christianity, Mm -hmm. you know, where if God's real, then my life's going to be good. Um, And if my life isn't good, then God isn't real. And I'm afraid that more people in this country hold to that mindset. Um, I mean, even just from our experience, when we, anytime you bring up judgment or walking the narrow road in any sense, you'll get nine nine people to push back for every one that says amen. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's on any topic like that. Um, Yeah. So I don't think, you know, her story, I think, you know, is not probably uncommon to a lot of people in the world. Although I would venture to guess she's not an atheist. So I said that wrong before. She says she's an atheist. My guess is she has no idea. And she's probably not really willing to do the work to figure it out. Because an atheist says like, I've done the work. I don't believe that there's a God. What I think Britney Spears is is like, I don't know. I'm not that happy right now. So God's probably not real. Oh, I am really happy. Well, great. God's real. Like she doesn't have any idea. Um, And again, this is really the poison of fame because she has no reason to think anything. Her life is a dream, right? She's like, oh, I've had some hardship. My son, son didn't call me back. Sure, I this guess just
1: goes to show fame and money does not make you happy. See the things that matter to her is her family. And that's all that does matter in life. The people in your life who should care for you. So just, I'm sure a lot of people who have fame, and all the money are just as depressed as she is.
0: Oh, I agree with that. Although I think the Real shame of it is, is you don't realize that until you've sullied all those things that really matter to you. Because you spend your whole adult life, like Brittany did, chasing this fame and this celebrity.
1: Well, how old was she when she started becoming famous? Sixteen,
0: really. So her whole life's been chasing this fame, and that's all that you're wrapped up on. So by the time you get to a point where you're in your forties now, I'd imagine she is. I don't know. And you look back, and you're like, "Man, my kids." Hate me, right? My been divorced. Yeah. My, you know, she obviously went through that spell in her late 20s or whatever where she kind of went insane. Um, but now you're looking back, and at some point, you know, with kids and stuff, you might have burnt the bridge. You know, you spent all those years sort of neglecting them and doing all these things. Now you want to make it right. And they're like, yeah, that's not good enough for us, right? Because first off, you probably didn't raise them in a Christian home. So forgiveness is probably not built into their psyche. Right, So, you know, a big problem there, but, uh, more important than Brittany, she's just an example is the pastor thing, right? Cause it says 50% of pastors, um, believe that essentially you can be good enough to get yourself into heaven or a third of senior pastors believe good people can earn their way into heaven. And then in this article as well, again, down here, I just found it. I think it's right. Uh, yeah, right here. You know, it says among evangelical pastors, for example, 43% do not believe that personal accumulation of wealth is provided by God for the individual to manage those resources for God's purpose. So again, uh, again, that's basically like the prosperity gospel. Yes. God gives you money so that you can live a lavish life, not so that you can advance the gospel. Mm -hmm. And then it says... um, 39% of evangelical pastors said there's no absolute moral truth. Wow. Um, So, and then also, in addition to this, I'll just throw it in because I brought it up at the jail last week. Um, I read a survey that said 50% of pastors view porn regularly. Um, So you kind of take all of that, right? What Joel, or yeah, what Joel Osteen said when we started this, right? You're not a sinner. You just make mistakes.
1: How do they know that, though? Like they get them to confess, or they're yeah, they caught. Say it. They Take just
0: surveys and they go, "Yeah, I watched." Oh, porn. just
1: oh, it's not like their names are. I just no, they're even anonymous if it's surveys. Just, so that's why they can't say exactly what churches or anything because they don't no. want it to be found out. You know,
0: they break them out as like evangelical or you know whatever, Catholic, different you know things like that, but. I mean, 50% said they view it regularly. Brittany has no idea what it means to be a Christian, though we were told our whole life she grew up Baptist. Um, Joel Osteen has no idea what it means to be a Christian or maybe more nefarious. He does, but doesn't care um, because he's super rich. And I think what all of that sort of sums up and tells you is that maybe around half of the pastors, at least in this country, are unfit for the pulpit. We've got half the churches in this country with pastors that do not belong there. Um, Because, I mean, if you're viewing porn regularly, that's clearly a disqualifying um, sin for a pastor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're teaching things like there's no moral truth, um, your good works can get you into heaven. I mean, again, unless you're saying, again, of a Mormon as a Christian in their worldview— okay, then maybe that makes sense because Mormonism is a, you know, a works-based. If Catholic is thrown in there, then Catholic is more of a works-based. But if you're talking about more strictly evangelical and they're saying, if you're just good enough, if you try hard enough, God's not going to keep you out of heaven, you know, they're unfit for the pulpit. Um, That's worse
1: than the atheist, really, or just someone who says, you know, they're not interested in God or... Like saying, I can earn my way to heaven, like you're going to be judged harsher, you know, in hell, like, than the person who just knows, like, I don't believe in God. Yeah, I know I'm messed up, but yeah, I still don't believe in God.
0: I would say it's worth worse because the atheist is at least saying, I don't think it's real. But the Christian who thinks they can earn their way to heaven is saying, I know it's real. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I just don't really want to use that. I don't need it. I and mean, he kind that's of wasted pride. his time there, right? I, I mean, can do it myself, kind of prideful, so what's but... the point? And that's probably more sinful, in a sense. I think so. Because the atheist is just, again, suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, but the Christian... Well, oh, they're
1: suppressing the truth, too. The truth is that none are righteous.
0: Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, I mean, so... F- Maybe 50% are uh, unfit for the pulpit. So that's, again, just kind of looking at those two stories, why we thought it was important. So um, our Bible topic, again, being road to salvation, we wanted to make point one of five on sort of the road to salvation to start this. Um, And we do have all these points listed on our website. If you want to go and see religionlesschristianitypodcast.com. Um, Just simply, you know, road to salvation, assurance of salvation, they're all up there. But the first point on that is really, you know, acknowledging that you need a savior, you know, unlike Joel Osteen might tell you that you can't do it alone, right? Like a third of these pastors might tell you your good works can't get you there. Um, So this comes from Romans 3.23, And it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We are all sinners. Um, And I think this is an important and a necessary first step when you're sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, You have to acknowledge your sin and your need for a savior, right? You can't do it alone. That is first and foremost, Um, you, you, you cannot, you're dead in your trespasses and sins, cannot do it alone. Um, and again, making certain that they understand this is not everybody else. This is you, you are dead in your sins. And this helps if you know the person, you know, if you're understanding who the person is like, Hey, you know that that kid that you have with your girlfriend, like there's an example of a sin that's a sexually immoral lifestyle. That's a sin you're guilty of, you know, if you're filled up with wrath and anger, right? If you know the person, it's easier maybe to point out. Specific sins. Otherwise, then you're still going to have to sort of get that message across that you are a sinner in need of a savior. Um,
1: yeah, you just read scripture to them and you don't even have to necessarily make it like your opinion. You actually no, you have a Bible and your... say, look what it says right here.
0: I think using your own opinion might be, I mean, obviously we have the word of God. Who cares what my opinion is? Right. So if you have the ability to go to scripture, go to scripture. Um, but I think that's important. And again, it's a necessary first step. Um, you know, in Mark chapter one verse fifteen, Jesus tells the Galileans that he's talking to, repent and believe. Right. Um, and it's in that method, repent and believe. Um, and I think repentance is the first step. An important part of repenting is knowing what you're repenting of. Right. Yes. There's no point in repenting if you don't even know that you're a sinner. That Um, word is
1: not brought up in most churches. Not too often. Repent. We're told that we're all just broken people. It's in a song. I don't remember who it is. And everybody needs Jesus. Like when you just water it down to we're just broken. No, we don't need to be fixed. We need to be made alive because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We need to quit using that word broken because broken in scripture is referring to your brokenness over your sin. When you realize you sinned against holy God, you have a broken spirit. Jesus said blessed are those, right? A yeah, broken like you spirit. You shouldn't
0: be coming to God over your brokenness because your boyfriend or girlfriend left you. You should be broken when you realize the sexual immoral lifestyle that separated you from God. Yes. That's what you should be crying out to God for not Lord, please bring him back.
1: I wish we were all broken people that everybody was broken over their sin. If only that were true. So Yeah. yeah, that the word that we're just broken people needs to quit being used in that context.
0: But again, I don't think this is heard too often. Again, we've gone to a lot of these churches throughout our life, and it's not talked about very much. And I would imagine the churches Brittany went to were not like this. And I'll throw Joel under the bus again here. And I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode, but, you know, I listened to a few of his sermons, um, just to sort of, I don't know, be it was a palate cleanser for uh, John MacArthur you like, boy, I listen to a lot of really good sermons lately. Let me listen to Joel Osteen to cleanse my palate to make sure I'm not being uh, led astray. But I listened to a sermon, you know, 30-minute sermon, basically on, you know, speaking your best life into existence, all that sort of stuff, it happiness. Like,
1: it was recent sermons, you said?
0: Yeah, fairly recent. Okay. Um, but, you know, at the end of the sermon... You know, he says something to the effect of, if anyone would like to accept Jesus as their Savior, repeat this prayer after me. And then he says something really basic, you know, to the, or to the effect of like, um, I, you know, Jesus, you know, I would, I want you to be my Savior. Um, you know, something, it was like one or two sentences, very simple. And then he was like, if you said that, I believe you're saved. Um, And again, really odd. Um, If you
1: said it, you're saved. So it has nothing. It's like...
0: like, But again, he never pointed out what they were calling on Jesus for. Nothing in his sermon indicated sin, their need for repentance, this road to salvation. None of it. It was just speak your best life into existence. You want Jesus? All right, say this prayer. Like, it's not... That's not how you present the gospel, right? And Paul tells us that the gospel is the power unto salvation, not being happy. Being happy isn't the right. power of they salvation. They never
1: heard the gospel. They didn't hear any good news because they didn't know what the bad news was.
0: Right, and you need to hear the bad news to understand the good news, yeah, fully. Um, so, you know, that's I think is the message that a lot of people hear. Because Joel Osteen isn't alone in this. I mean, he's not the only preacher um, that speaks or whatever sermons, whatever you want to call what he does. There's a lot of churches that do that. They may do it slightly different or maybe even do it slightly better, but it's still to that same effect of, you know, God's going to help you overcome and he wants you to be an overcomer and achiever and
1: win your victory
0: and fight your battles and all these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And then don't you want God to help you do this? And you're like, yeah, instead of being like, no, you're going to hell, man. Like you are going, if you died today, you'd be in hell because you're a sinner. Jesus didn't
1: die so you could have your best life now. That's what they hear. Like he died to make you alive and have fellowship with God. And he didn't die so you could, you know, ask him for the job you want and comforts of life. I mean, gosh, Britney Spears has all that and look at her and she doesn't even believe in God. Like if anything that, and, and the Israelites, every time they got the blessings of God by turning away from the ways of all the pagans, um, they got comfortable in their blessings from God and they turn away from him. They'd forget who the Lord was. It's like when we are in this state of really every day relying on God, like, give us this day our daily bread. God is revealing himself as provider. And when we get comfortable with him providing all the time, we do forget it. Like, we're no different than the Israelites in that false gospel that you'll always be comfortable. God's going to give you everything, your wildest dreams. Like, you're not seeking God, you're seeking the world. And you think God is just the way to get the world when he's the way, when Jesus is the way to eternal life. It's just the, the world is it for those who believe that false gospel. Like, they don't want to leave the world. They don't want heaven. They just want what they want now. And that's why many fall away. And they're really... I don't think they're really even falling away from the gospel. I think they're falling away from a false gospel. So they're falling away, but they were never, they never even believed in the real gospel to begin with.
0: What do you right. think? No, I would agree. You know, if, if you weren't really presented a true gospel that you could accept or deny, then whatever it is you walked away from, you know, like Brittany, she walked away from I mean, who knows what, right? Because she has no idea of what it actually meant to be a Christian. She has no idea what the call of Christ is. So what did she walk away from? You know, some idea of a God who wants her to be really happy. Well, that's not what the gospel call is. That's not what the Christian walk is. That's not what Jesus told us it would be. So what did she ultimately walk away from? Who knows? Um, she, you're basically walking away from a man, right? Joel Osteen told me I'd be super happy. I'm not. So screw Joel Osteen.
1: Well, he would just say, you just got to keep saying it.
0: Well, right. And he's an extreme example of whatever you know, this gospel is. But I mean, well, maybe not extreme because he's very mainstream. But, um, but that's the point. That's why it's important for us to never sort of move past this. We've constantly got to be reminded of this because it's a hard message, you know, that sharing the gospel isn't the easiest thing in the world. I mean, it's hard, and it can be uncomfortable, which is why so many people don't do it. Um, But it's got to be this way, right? They've got to hear the full gospel, and it all has to start with who they are, right? You are a sinner in need of a Savior. Let me tell you about the Savior. Like Nikki said, you need the bad news before I can give you the good news. Uh, I think I've said that quote on here um, from John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, before, where um, the the main character Christian says, you know, he's going to this place to remove this burden and the worldly wise man says, well, how did you come by this burden at first? And he says, by reading this book in my hand, he read mm-hmm. the book and went, I'm a sinner on my way to hell. How do I get out of hell? Oh, well mm-hmm. flip a few more pages and let me show you mm-hmm. it's Jesus. And you're like, that's the good news. So it right. has to start from that point. And, um, That's
1: what the word is, a double-edged sword. It reveals that you're dead and also shows how to be born again. It right. brings, it brings, it reveals death. That's the truth where we all start. But it's such a blessing to realize, <laughs> you know, like, thank God he showed us we were dead. And he also showed us the way to life. The sort of double-edged sword.
0: Yeah, and you can't leave off one of those edges, right? Because if all you tell people is you're a sinner, you're a sinner, well, then you get into a legalism, a works-based yeah. faith, and you know you're going to be some, you know, I don't know, Catholic sort of whipping yourself, right, to try to earn your way in. Well, you can't have that, and you can't leave off the sin part, or you're Britney Spears, and if I'm not happy and prosperous, well, then I'm not a Christian, and God's not real. You got to have both sides of it, and. Um, that's the reason it's presented that way. And we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to use the wheel. So um, that's the first point again. Romans 323. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um that's what we have to start our gospel presentation with before we can lead them into the good news that Jesus Christ came,
1: yeah. free
0: them um from that bondage to sin. And ultimately, give them the free gift of eternal life. So,
1: free gift. Isn't that amazing? That's the best. The
0: it's best good news. news
1: because it's free and it's by faith. Like, there couldn't be anything better.
0: No, and I did just make one last point in here is like, this isn't even a new idea, which is why it's so upsetting when it gets left out so often by so many churches and stuff. Um, like, it's not even a New Testament idea necessarily. Let alone a modern American church. You know, I went back to Genesis eight twenty one, the beginning of the book. Right, um, you know, God has just wiped the world out in the flood, and man is coming back into the earth. And then Genesis eight twenty one, God notes, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Mm. We've known this forever, so it doesn't do anybody any good to sugarcoat it or hide it. Yeah, um, they nobody... deserve to know the truth. And then as we go through all these points, it's going to be imperative that we tell them the hard walk that the Christian faith can be, right? Um, not just God's going to help you be an overcomer, a prosperous, you're going to you know, pay your tithe and the windows of heavens are going to open and you're going to be wealthy beyond-
1: Everybody would be a Christian that, if right? that was literal.
0: We've got to talk Everyone. to them about you know, denying yourself, dying to Christ, or uh, dying to the you know, lust of the flesh, mm-hmm. um, all those sorts of things that's all part of it. So we're gonna go through that for the next you know whatever that takes months, and uh, we hope you guys stick with us. But do you have any last points on I was just gonna to say salvation? with your
1: last verse, just like everybody can everybody knows that you don't have to teach a child to do wrong. They instinctively um sin. You, nobody teaches a kid to lie. Nobody teaches them to steal. It's, that's just proof that the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth, that we are born with a sin nature, with an inclination to sin. That's who we all are. Yeah. I don't have to
0: teach my kids to not do dishes. (laughs) They were born not doing dishes,
1: but (laughs) So yeah, we inherited Adam's sin nature. Uh, you could even bring it all the way back um, back to, to Adam, and nobody can deny it. I'm just saying the scripture is true, and we can observe it just in real life. Everybody agrees: children are
0: Ascally are children. We're,
1: we're born that way, and we're all yeah we're all born dead in trespasses and sins. So. Once you acknowledge that, you know, like the character and uh, that John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, how did you come to know about the burden through this word?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Praise God. (laughs) Go read Pilgrim's Progress. Um, Yeah. So we wanted to give you our sermon recommendation sort of in this vein. And again, I'll ask you guys like I have before, if you've got good pastors, good preachers that you listen to please send them to us, leave them in the comments, um, jump on our social media and send them to us. Cause we get locked in our bubble of the people we listen to. Um, mm-hmm. So all YouTube ever recommends to me is the same people I always I listen <laughs> to. So um, we want to branch out. I would know that there's a lot of, you know, not every pastor and preacher is that 50% looking at porn regularly. You know, I know that there's a lot of good godly men out there um, preaching the word, but since we do get stuck in our bubble, um, I'll stay in that bubble for our sermon recommendation today, and I'll feel good about it. So this one is actually kind of a neat one. It's like a Bible study that uh, Steve Lawson is leading on romans three twenty one through twenty six called the Heart of the Gospel. So he'll be touching on romans three twenty three in there and just sort of walking through that section. And it's a neat thing to sort of, see the Bible study aspect rather than just a sermon on a topic. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, go give that a listen, see what you guys think. Please consider sending us some, uh, some of the stuff that you listen to. You know, we want to hear what you guys are listening to. Even if it's just a good podcast, you know, a good movie that you watched. Um, I do want to talk about Top Gun Maverick. Um, Fell in love with that movie when I watched it. So Uh, Maybe we'll talk about that next week. We'll see. But um, that's all we got for today. Uh, We'll be back on Monday with our daily devotionals. And coming back next week, hopefully, talking about point two on the road to salvation. But until then, hope you guys have a good week. God bless. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com bundle. US-AA.
1: Restrictions apply.